Friends, welcome back to the No Wrong Turns podcast with Audrey Hickman Hunter. I am Audrey and I'm your host. I am so, so happy that you are here. If you like what you're listening to today, make sure that you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Every other Tuesday, we have an awesome guest come and chat about their story and their passions and how their passions have evolved and grown throughout their story. Subscribe today to the No Wrong Turns pod with Audrey Hickman Hunter on your podcast player so you guys will never, never miss an episode. Hey friends, happy Tuesday. Listeners, welcome to our MJ episode, episode number 23. Today on the podcast, we have Eric Hines. And I must have met Eric sometime at the end of my middle school, maybe beginning of high school uh, years at the church we both went to. Eric was is definitely a couple years um, older and like kind of in the leadership level that was above me. And Eric was the leader of the Band of Survivors 2006 group that I have chatted about before. We've heard from several others in the group that were in the Band of Survivors group. Uh, DeAndre Coates in episode 8, Nate Irvin, episode 11, Alex Escobar, episode 13, Lindsay Bailey in episode 18. And Eric is also the son-in-law of Crochet all the way back in episode 2. In this episode today, Eric will share with us how he discovered his DIY skill set and especially how he loves um, to do that with his daughter, Wendy, and work on projects. How he discovered his college or decided on what his college major was. He shares about a turning point for himself in his life when he considered just driving to New York City with a tank of gas and $900 to his name instead of going on a missions trip. Eric shares about several various musical chapters and moments throughout his story. He shares about how he persevered through um, life's nose that he went through and how in his Russian class he found it to be the easiest ever. Yes, that's right, Russian. Um, What uh, life was like post-college how he fought to find the beauty and the purpose in the real adult world, and how God gave Eric some passions of teaching guitar lessons and leading a dodgeball night at his church and um, starting a band. He goes on to talk about his time in uh, leading youth ministry, young adult ministry, and diving deep into talking about the motivations behind your passions, the who or the what that is validating your passions. You are for sure going to want to lean in and not miss hearing Eric's story and pursuing the things he's passionate about through his different creative outlets, such as praise band and ministry leadership position with young adults. No matter if this is your story and you can relate to him or not, I believe that there is something in this episode for you. All right, here's my conversation with Eric. Welcome to the No Wrong Turns podcast. Today on the podcast, I have Eric Himes here live in person. So Eric, thanks for letting me come and interview you. Thanks for coming out in the uh, quarantine. Appreciate it. In the Corona times. Corona times. Crazy times. Yeah. Well said. (laughs) Eric, can you introduce yourself to uh, the listeners, like uh, who you are, a little bit about yourself so we can get to know you and maybe some fun facts? Sure. Hello, I'm Eric Himes, and I live in Wheaton, Illinois, with my lovely wife, Kathleen, and our my wife of almost 15 years, and I'm making sure I'm doing the math right on that, and uh, our uh, seven-and-a-half-year-old daughter, Wendy, almost, actually almost eight, in, in uh, May. And fun facts, when I was trying to fill out the form for this podcast, I had two things that were fun. One, one is that I love DIY projects, which isn't really fun. It's more like basic suburban male activities. <laughs> and then the second one, I was, I was trying to, to talk my wife into getting a dog, which we did get a little puppy named Atticus, a little Pomsky, a Pomeranian Husky mix. And I never thought we'd get a dog. And then in, this fall, I just became obsessed with getting a dog and then finally wore her down and we got a dog. And now I'm just regretting <laughs> that, that pursuit. 
at the moment because it's just a puppy and it's just obnoxious. But yeah, so I'm a um, dog owner with regrets, basically. You said you like to do DIY projects. What was your favorite one that you've done so far? Oh, that's a tough one. Yeah, so this is our second house that we live in now. We, we had like a fixer-upper in Hinsdale where my wife is from. We bought the worst house in the whole in the whole city, which is oh, uh, wow. like a really nice town, like really uppity. And we bought like the worst house there, foreclosure, raccoons in the attic. And I didn't know and like all sorts of things wrong with the house. And I didn't know how to do anything project-wise. And I had no ambition to learn anything either. And then we we got this house in the middle of the recession. We're still we were underwater in a in a condo that we bought, and then learned that my wife was expecting our, our daughter. And I just became a madman and like realized that this house is not suitable for human beings to inhabit. So became really quickly like obsessive compulsive about improving things and learning how to do that. So that was probably my biggest just that house in general, bringing this like totally dead thing back to life and learning along the way making tons of mistakes and it's like every little every little project I didn't know how to do it until I finished it and then it was like oh that's how you do that (laughs) I could now do that well but then it's like too late why would why would you go back and and do it but so I don't know we had this terrible attic in the last house and I just decided I wanted to semi fin oh that's our dog Atticus, <laughs> sorry podcast i decided i wanted to finish it and make it inhabitable for our daughter to play up in and like to use as storage and thinking back now it's still totally unsafe there's like nails coming through the you know the ceiling and stuff and just dangerous but like it was a yellow house and um wendy had never that's our daughter wendy had never been up to this attic and i finished it i was working up there for a week maybe two weeks and then I was finally going to show her and it was, I had redid the floorboards and the lighting and the storage and put down planks of wood and all this kind of stuff. And I showed her this like secret staircase she had not known her entire life. She's five years old at this time and bring her up to this attic. And she saw this room that she'd never seen for her whole life. <laughs> and she turns to me and she says, I love our yellow house. Just Aww. like there's surprises everywhere, you know, and that's, this is crazy that this has always existed so yeah, th- those type of things. I try to do a lot of projects with her or for her, just in terms of like memory building and like we've done playhouses and she built a game for her seventh seventh birthday birthday called the Wendy Toss, which is like a a bago set basically with seven holes in it, um, and we built that together. But I love that kind of stuff. Anything we can do together and experience together, that's those are my favorite kind of projects. Awesome. Give us a little bit about where you are now, but can you kind of give us a little bit of background about where you grew up and how you grew up, maybe elementary, middle, high school age a little bit? Yeah, so I grew up in Oak Park, Illinois, so suburb of Chicago, and had a good childhood, uh, just kind of normal. I was just just kind of a nerdy kid in my own world, and I have an older sister named Tammy. She's four years older, and we grew up. There, I had a pretty good elementary school life. Um, then when I was, I don't know, nine years old, my mom was diagnosed with cancer. My mom was uh, an awesome, just loving, nurturing, kind of the glue to not just our family, but to a lot of, to our church and to kind of our social um, sphere. And then um, she went through chemo and uh, fought fought back and we had four years and then when I was 12 she was diagnosed again with cancer and it was uh, terminal so I lost her when I was when I was 12 and that was a huge trauma and a very like just a very numb season where it's like I honestly don't even really remember a lot of those years or even going through school or anything like that yeah and then when when I was in freshman in High school, uh, my dad uh, decided to move us closer to family, so we moved a little bit closer to another suburb called called Elmhurst that I knew uh, just a few people from church went to that high school, and I was like just so, just wanted to be in the background and not noticed at all, and just very, mm-hmm. very shy and quiet and very broken, and yeah, those were just kind of strange years. They're hard years anyway for, for anyone, really. Yeah. 
And then sophomore year, I met a kid named Matt Roan, uh, who became my best friend. And he just kind of unlocked a lot of, helped me like navigate through some things, especially socially. Mm-hmm. And he's a good Catholic boy who understood the world of faith and kind of encouraged me to to like have a, a bigger sphere of, of friends and interests. And yeah, he became my best friend and we were we were in a math class together. We were the two worst students and we decided to study together, <laughs> which is just like not what you want. You want to be studying with someone smarter than you so that you can be <laughs> improving. But somehow, I don't even know, got through algebra together, just terrible at math. And yeah, Matt, Matt helped, helped me grow a lot. And when, then I just became insane, like the pendulum swung insane. completely the other way and became more of an extrovert and started becoming super active in anything high school. And by senior year, it was like anything I could possibly be a part of, I was trying to do. And I was sneaking into yearbook, yearbook photos of like every <laughs> single club. Like, And I actually snuck into, this is probably my crowning achievement of high school, I snuck into the faculty photo. Wow, is, that's pretty impressive. It, it was, you know, I was very proud of it. And they actually blew it up and put it in the hallway and no one noticed that I was in the photo. <laughs> this like obnoxious teenager. And then they, they saw it and they took it down and they took a Sharpie and <gasps> colored it. Oh me my gosh. But it made it into the yearbook itself. So I'm very proud of that. And then I went crazy and like decided that I wanted to be in a musical, which is absurd because I'd never like, sung publicly. Like, <laughs> or even I grew up in ch- church and still attend church, but like, that was not a pursuit I was ever interested in. So like I joined a musical and then one of my friends was like, hey, I... I'm starting a band and I want you to be our singer. Oh, wow. And so in high school, like senior year, became a singer for a band called The Audio Projects, which <laughs> probably exists somewhere online, but I wouldn't really recommend listening to it. <laughs> and then got into that scene a little bit and really enjoyed that. I was like, this is cool, like expressing yourself and writing songs and whatever. And then all my high school friends, we went to the same college. We went to DePaul University. Eight of us went together in, in mass and a lot of us lived together. Oh, wait, pause. Let me ask you a question. Sure. So when you were going, were you always planning on going to college or did oh, you, sure. were you thinking, did you know you wanted to do that? I think so. I, I feel like it was more like expected, mm-hmm. you know, in, in my family. Like my mom and dad were bo- both teachers and, you know, educated. And it was just, I had no other ambition. Like I had no other skill set other mm-hmm. than like I was only really good at writing in high school and that was basically it and music stuff I Mm -hmm. was in band and grew up playing brass instruments and stuff but that wasn't going to be a career for me so yeah I went to DePaul University where where my sister went which made it easy I only applied to a few schools Mm -hmm. and I'd visited there and Lincoln Park is amazing and just being able to live there and be with my friends and kind of coast academically yeah I was an English major that was just really easy so when you're an English major what does that mean you're just taking classes (laughs) on literature yeah honestly that's another kind of blur the academic part of that (laughs) is kind of a blur they I guess they exposed me to some things that I wouldn't have found on my own but it was just not difficult so I feel like maybe it was a scam you know the education system or whatever i'm grateful for it but there's definitely like an educational prosperity gospel type thing that we kind of live it's like if you are educated enough then you will succeed mm-hmm. like it's just like a kind of foregone conclusion and education is an important piece to break out of systems of poverty and stuff but like i've really lived a life of privilege so i don't know it wasn't like a big a big deal you know which is, sounds so entitled and it's because it definitely was. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and it was just, yeah, getting to your question, sorry. Yeah, I guess it was just reading stories and then writing about them or creating your own things. And freshman year, I had a great professor who exposed me to some writers, some authors that I just really became like, oh, yeah, creative writing. That's really what would be cool to do. In high school, mm-hmm. I got into advertising. I'm like, oh, that's what I want to do. I want to be in advertising because I like being creative. I like coming up with clever things. And then English became one of the, the avenue for that. I thought I would go into advertising with an English degree, go into copywriting or something like that. And then just things 
changed my life, changed in experientially and just like, I don't know if I'm skipping ahead too much, but like a lot of it was like a lot of the high school years and the college years were like, this is me. I'm building my life for me. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Are we still in college? Sure. So you were working on getting your English degree and when you were exiting college, what was your next step or what were you going to do? Yeah. So I definitely shifted in, in college where it was like, I went on a missions trip to Ukraine. This is freshman year freshman the summer after freshman year Mm -hmm. and i was really lost at that point too i was in a bad relationship and i kind of like you know i'm a christian and i was really kind of walking away from my faith making deliberate steps to lessen that the importance of my life of of faith and my my walk with with jesus Mm -hmm. and i was really lost and i was definitely a pivotal moment where we're about to go on this trip to ukraine And I'm just lost and broken. And I thought, I've got, we were about to leave. And the night before, in my car, I'm like, I have a full tank of gas. I have $900 in my bank account. (laughs) I'm just going to leave and not tell anyone and drop out of college and go move to New York and get a job somewhere and then become a writer, like a tortured artist type, (laughs) you know, trope. Basically. With your nine hundred dollars and take a gas. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, Yeah, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm so lost at this point. And then I don't know really. I mean, I, I the grace of God is the answer, but I don't know how logistically it worked out, but I was on the plane the next day <laughs> and just so depressed and sad and <clears throat> and just lost and I slept the entire trip. I remember just being exhausted. Mm-hmm. And even these people that I'm on this trip with, they don't even know who I am at this point. And they're like, what's his deal? He has not been awake a moment. (laughs) He's not even talking to us type of of deal. And then God really transformed me in that summer and got a hold of my heart and took out a lot of that garbage and junk and bitterness and confusion and then started to... Sorry, <laughs> then he started to pour in new things that I never expected. So then he brought back this musical thing. And then he, I'd never, I'd only ever sang in this band. And then the person, one of the people on the teams is like, we need someone to play guitar. It's going to be you. So did you know how to play guitar no, at that point? I no idea. No. So in preparation for that, I started playing guitar. And then any free moment I had on that trip, I was just playing guitar constantly and singing and playing hymns basically <laughs> primarily the hymns of the church and then it was god was inspiring songs and calling me into leading people in song worship so then god was inspiring songwriting which was just terrible you know at first like playing guitar which was terrible and singing which was terrible and because you're kind of new to both of those just new to all of it and that's the thing looking back in my life now there's not actually that many natural gifts that i have there's only passion and then determination. Mm-hmm. And, and so like, I'm not like a great singer. I'm not a good guitar player or whatever. I think, I guess if there's anything natural, it would be leadership is kind of the thing, the theme. Mm-hmm. But even then, if there's a lot of blind spots, a lot of things where I'm like, uh, not good at. Um, but and that's what I say to people that I work with. I'm, I lead a praise band and I've been doing this forever now. And God keeps surrounding me with people who are more natural at things, which is it's just amazingly awesome. I always say to them, when we get to heaven, I want God to show what I did with the 10% mm-hmm. <laughs> gift he gave me. I hope that I've honored that. But I was never given the, here's the amazing thing. Here's the exceptional thing. But it's more, like, man, this guy is stubborn and willing to just not care about no's and stuff. You know, like mm-hmm. there's a lot of cultural things that have been told along the way in my denomination where it's just like, these are no's, these are hard no's. And it's like, I'm just not going to listen to that. Basically, I'm going to keep going. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's kind of a rambling way of, of explaining. So God was pouring into these new passions and just giving me just a will, a determination, like, wow, I want to be a worship leader now. And that looks like me going to my room and playing guitar forever and singing to no one (laughs) and learning how to do that. And God has been really good to me in terms of honoring 
these things and it's and probably jumping ahead but you're talking about what advice would you give to people you know mm-hmm. later and one of them is just time is actually your friend if you're willing to just ride it out mm-hmm. and be faithful and show up a lot of good can come from that so you're saying in deciding i'm interested in songwriting i'm interested in playing guitar and singing but the time of practicing that or something else yeah i think it's kind of everything for example so i want to be a worship leader but my church is very traditional we have a brass band and choir and that's a big part of our culture the salvation army is my denomination for those of you who don't know at home (laughs) and a lot of people don't know the salvation army is a church but it is and a lot of our culture is this kind of victorian england model of of taking the modern things of the day and turning it on their head and using it for for good and a part of that culture brass bands are a big deal and they still are in the Salvation Army culture today and a choir we call them songsters uh, for those at home (laughs) and but anyway all that to say like basically a Christian rock band is not wasn't really a thing in that culture Mm -hmm. and so trying to break into that culture within my church was kind of difficult to to say, no, we're going to have drums and it's going to be loud and we're going to try to feel things instead of just, I mean, not that you don't feel things listening to a brass band, but it's just different. Yeah. And so the pastors and stuff that I would be like, hey, you know, we want to do a praise band. They're like, okay, you get one song once a month. You know, that's kind of discouraging Mm -hmm. when you have this big idea in your mind. But God was really faithful. Like, yeah, show up one song once a month. Mm -hmm. Make it good. Yeah. And then it was, you can get two songs once a month. Okay. And then now looking at our church now, praise bands on every week. And that wasn't ever the, really the point, mm-hmm. but glorifying God is the point. But it's just cool that now there's, that is a part of our culture now. And there are teenagers and younger people learning how to play guitar and drums and sing, you know, more modern songs and express themselves in that way. But all that saying, time is your friend. A lot of times you you want instant results, which I do too. I'd love for instant results to happen, (laughs) but you're going to spend your life seeking after these things and being faithful to them and being faithful to the calling that God has put in your life. And you have a lot of time to do that actually, but just be faithful and show up and Mm -hmm. be reliable and be determined and be stubborn. And God can use that. He, He really can. Now looking back now, it's like, wow, he really did a lot of stuff here that I didn't think would ever happen if you were to ask, would you see this or see that? And yet we see progress is slow, but it does, it definitely does happen. And things mm-hmm. do change. And, and you learn things along the way, which is, which are, which you didn't think were going to be there. And it's really awesome. Like, because it's God's idea, right? Yeah. I get, I used to get really lost in that. This is me. Like, I'm trying to do this thing in my strength. That's not it at all. If God has called you to something and wants you to do something with your life, He's going to use you or not use you, but if you show up and you surrender to him, he he really will use you. And it's really it's a mystery, honestly. It's it's, it's awesome. awesome. Sorry, that's a tangent. Sorry, <laughs> really long tangent. No problem. So I wanna just pivot a little bit and go a little bit back in your story. Yeah to then go forward so after your trip to the ukraine a lot of your i guess lens or life shifted or like how you saw the world would you say sure yeah definitely so moving forward that was you said your freshman year of college Mm -hmm. so then moving forward did that change kind of how you pursued your college career or thought about life after so yeah so then i thought so after that trip i thought the target was then being a missionary in eastern europe Okay. In, in Russia, basically, which I know Ukraine's not Russia, but I thought, okay, well, I don't know what, what is the next step, but I think learning Russian would be oh, helpful wow. to that. So I did three years of Russian in college. Oh, can you say something for no, us? No, this is oh. terrible. This is terrible. <laughs> and then it was just the easiest class ever, which is crazy. I'm like, Russian not, was the easiest mm, class ever? Well, don't get me wrong. I can't speak any Russian, really. Uh-huh. And I can't understand Russian either, but I had the easiest teacher ever. Oh, okay. And she was really loving and she knew that I was basically an idiot. (laughs) Um, And she was just like, if you want to come today, you can, you know, um, try to read this if you can try. That's what I'm saying. Like maybe college is a scam because somehow this lady was employed by this university, never really graded me. And I just got A's for three years. 
what yes exactly and i don't know it's just strange and then there's legit there are kids in that there were were kids in that class that their families are russian and they just spoke russian you know okay so So there's a clear discrepancy in the the skill level coming in exactly so they knew how to read and write and they were also there for the easy a and the teacher didn't want to i don't know what her deal was honestly i don't know why i kept taking it because yeah three years a long time it was just an elective i guess and it was just very easy and there i don't i don't i wrote a song in russian i adapted a song or a poem about kittens or something (laughs) and i just played it for the teacher and she was just like you got an a you're good i'm like i didn't that that cost me nothing you know it's anyway that's not an interesting story other than i thought this will be a part of my future and then this is the terrible thing i've never been back to ukraine or eastern europe or, or russia Hey listeners, this week our sponsor is Taylor Rambo and her new book, Reckless Grace, A Journey to Bold Forgiveness. Taylor Rambo is a future guest of the podcast. Taylor's from Texas. She's a wife and a mama. She designs and blogs over at tayrambo.com. She is a creator of the brand Better Not Perfect and the host slash developer of the podcast Better Not Perfect. In Taylor's future episode on the podcast, Taylor will let us know about her desire to encourage and inspire others throughout the idea of not seeking perfection, but rather striving to be better. In Taylor's new book, Reckless Grace, she shares her journey to forgiveness as she talks about her story of enduring abuse, broken relationships, and her walk with God. This book is filled with many moments and emotions of laughter and tears and heartache. I love how when you read Taylor's story, it literally feels like she's talking right to you, like she's writing to a close friend. Reckless Grace is a story that is an emotional and redemptive journey that will encourage and inspire you to step into the grace that you are called to live in. Reckless Grace will lead you to living a life of perseverance, compassion, love, ridiculous grace, and boldness so that you can live your purpose. You can find out more and follow Taylor over on her Instagram at the Tay underscore Rambo. That is at T-H-E-T-A-Y-L-O-R underscore R-A-M-B-O. And over on her website, you can find all the links to purchase and learn more about her new book, Reckless Grace, A Journey to Bold Forgiveness at www.tayrambo.com. That is www.tayrambo.com. All right, back to Eric's story. I was really into it. I had a Ukraine map on my wall. And I would like pray like earnestly for like, cities mm-hmm. in Ukraine, like put a little pin in the wall. And I prayed for Donetsk today. I prayed, you know, prayed for these things. And it's kind of odd now because like, I felt like that was the target. And now looking back, it's like that wasn't the target, but it was an important part of my journey or whatever. So, sorry. No, Are you okay? okay? Yeah. So then I don't know where we are now in the story. So you are finishing college, your your world lens, I guess, mm-hmm. life goals kind of maybe have shifted a little bit or and you're g- getting through Russian, making songs about cats. <laughs> yeah. Which yeah, sadly can't hear about that. I mean, I hear you sing about right. that. So then when you were getting to the end of college, what was going to happen next for you or what were right. you... What were your thoughts as you're ending college? So then every summer I went on a different mission trip, basically, oh, okay. too. And that was very helpful as well. Like I just kept growing in leadership, I guess, is the theme, I would say, looking back. And went to I went to Australia the next summer. And then I did a summer at uh, one of our Salvation Army camps. And then I was like, wait, this is way harder than the mission trip. I'm going to go back on the mission <laughs> trip. And then I went to uh, Germany and Lithuania senior year and then in there and that this is an important part of that while i was in australia so i, I talked about kathleen how we've been married and all this kind of stuff like we grew up in church together i've known her my whole life literally my whole life and we were kind of off, on again off again just like the terrible couple in the youth group that just tortures everyone with their drama mm, those people exactly yeah 
And so throughout high school and stuff, we kind of dated and she was either the love of my life or my greatest enemy. And I would just like <laughs> torture her and her dad sat me down like, you cannot be this mean to my child, you know, which now as a father, like I totally get and I would totally do that. And anyway, so while I was away the second summer, well, actually, while I was in Ukraine, God kind of said, hey, Kathleen, like this is the person. <laughs> And I was like, no, I'm not going to say anything. I'm, I can't trust myself in relationships. And I'm like, I was really good. And like for like four months after I returned home, I'm like, I didn't say anything. And then I did. I could totally jump the gun and told her like, oh, wow. hey, you know, I was thinking about you and now I'm ready to date. And she's just like, I'm not at all interested in you. <laughs> she actually said this. She said, I'm actually not. It's not just I'm not interested, but I'm not at all attracted to you. Oh, wow. Um, just really defined it. And then I was like, okay, this sucks. And then she's like, wait, I'm not done. And oh. She's, and she's like, well, can you imagine like, every day waking up and <laughs> turning over and looking at your spouse and just not being attracted to them? And I was like, no, I've kind of heard enough. You know, like, I don't need to, like, hear anymore. And she's like, can you imagine it? And I was like, I can't imagine it because I think you're the most beautiful person. Did um, you say that out loud or in your head? In my head. I was like, okay. well, I get how you think I'm, di you know, disgusting, basically repulsive. <laughs> and um, my mentor at the, at the time, a great guy named Ed, we were at a church retreat. And he's like, did you talk to her? I saw you talking to you. I thought you weren't going to talk to her. And I was like, yeah, I just decided it was time to talk to her about this. And he's like, well, how'd it go? And I'm like, not good. And like, <laughs> not good at all. She totally flatly rejected me. And so I was totally hurt by that and then I was like you know what god I clearly jumped the gun I shouldn't have said any of that I wasn't ready I'm not ready I'm just gonna like, let go of this and then I went away to Australia the next summer and you're not supposed to date on these things but I totally found a girlfriend in Australia which is not good and then Kathleen went to Haiti which was super transformative for her she had a great time and she's she knows French and everything and it was awesome and then as as soon as our teams came back from these trips i saw her and my heart sank is like oh gosh i've just made a terrible decision like we hadn't even talked about it and then that night she sat me down she's like hey god revealed you to me and all this kind of stuff and i was like hey i've been waiting forever to hear this but i have an australian <laughs> girlfriend and i'm sorry <laughs> whatever so anyway and she was really cool about it and she's like hey um well, that's not what I was expecting, but, and we don't have to talk about this anymore, but if something changes, then we'll talk. But if not, then oh. just let's not, let's pretend we're cool, basically. And I was like, okay. But I knew, like, I knew that I needed to get out of that relationship as quickly Australia as Australia wasn't going to last. Australia was not going to last. And she's such a nice lady. I feel, feel bad, but, uh, you know, very much like Ukraine, I've never seen this girl again. <laughs> and moved move on from that and then you know a few months later i'm sitting down with kathleen's parents and saying hey remember me i've been that terrible person that's tortured your daughter but i love her and i want to be with her and i want to date her and all this kind of stuff and i'm like i understand that you'd be skeptical i would be too <laughs> but please could i date your daughter you know i guess i didn't say i love her in that first thing but that would know. be a bit of a bombshell it would have been and they were really good about it and very sweet and loving and they're like yes you can you can try to date her you know you can try <laughs> <laughs> but then we started dating and then it was like this is the girl for me and then you know then I graduated and she's a year she was a year behind me and then she graduated and then we got married uh, that summer after she graduated yeah I don't know if what's what's next so what was your, so you guys got married and fun fact, I was actually there. I remember I was wearing a horrendous <laughs> old Navy yeah. blue hibiscus flower dress. It was very obnoxious. Awesome. That's the biggest thing I, I remember because I've seen photos of it since this day, but <laughs> yes. Uh, we were, I'm glad you brought it up. We were wondering if you felt bad about that. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of other guests, so I'm sure you do not remember. <laughs> So after you guys got married, where did you guys kind of settle down for, as your first home? Were you guys working? Did you want to pursue other schooling after since it was so, you know, easy for you? When I say it's easy, that's not like a brag. It's like, it's, it's it can only sound like a brag. Now I was just Josh. Okay, you. okay. I just picked the easiest thing, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I just coasted. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Well, it sounded like you were already a little bit gifted in the writing department anyway, or no? I mean, like, I don't know. 
I like I don't think I'm a great writer or something. I just think it was almost like I can see how people can engineer a phrase or a paper or a paragraph or whatever mm-hmm. to get an A. I okay. can see how they they would do it. And then once I learned that, I was like, this is, I'm not actually learning anything. I'm just. You just cracked the code for that. the code, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so what did we do? I had a terrible job. No, sorry. I had a job that's a terrible fit for me. Mm. It's probably a good job for someone. Yeah. And I was a secretary for the Salvation Army at our headquarters in the legal department. So I was just showing up every morning and pulling files and stuff and processing estates and bring-ups and stuff and scanning documents people leave the Salvation Army money and stuff which is really awesome because they want to support it and I was just basically like getting people files and clerical stuff I really need creative things to keep me stimulated uh, stimulated alive and this is the total opposite of that and that was the next part of my journey and just everyone who's trying to figure out what's next those phases are really miserable and and difficult so i hated that i was depressed and it was like flying high college was cool with all my friends and then and then every day was something creative or or fun or funny or memorable and then it's just like wow this is the most boring thing just like the bubbles burst it has to happen that's super important on people's journey the real world is beautiful but you ha- it looks different and, mm-hmm. it, and you have to fight to find the beauty and find your place and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and the real world is expecting something from you. And sometimes that thing that they're expecting is just shutting up and doing the thing that sucks. You mm-hmm. know, like, it's a tough pill to swallow. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So I did that for a while and I was just so miserable. And then my grandpa sat me down. My grandpa's a, he passed away this past year and uh he's a really great man he's a pastor him and my grandma were pastors in the Salvation army and he just was like tell me about this job and i've heard that you're not happy and all this kind of stuff <laughs> and i'm giving all these reasons or whatever and he's just like yeah you need to just drop that you need to stop complaining and you need to you need to figure it out wow and he said it in a nice way but it's still like and i was just like so mad at him for saying that honestly but he's like, you just trust God and your job is not who you are. So find other things that you like doing and then do that. So I started a beginner guitar class at this office on mm-hmm. Wednesdays. And again, not like a gifted guitar player or I don't even think a gifted teacher really. But I was like, I like guitar and these it would be a fun excuse to love people. Mm-hmm. And so we had this ragtag guitar class <laughs> and we performed at our Christmas party and stuff. That's great. <laughs> and it was so bad. They didn't practice at all. They would never practice. Just for your half hour. Just for the half lesson. hour. They thought they'd get better and they never got better too. Then I started doing a dodgeball ministry at my church. I did dodgeball throughout college as a big part of 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 what I did. It still exists, the DePaul Dodgeball Society. I'm really proud of of that. Me and my high school friends your built that. Legacy. Legacy, yeah. Super important. I also thought at the time Dodgeball was popping off and the movie came out because I'm old. So the movie's old. <laughs> and I remember looking at my friends and like, hey, this dodgeball thing, this could be our life. Life. Like, wow. I'm like, we could drop out and just see where this goes. <laughs> see if we could like go from school to school and build like a collegiate dodgeball <laughs> association. And they're like, yeah, no. <laughs> and I was like, okay, you're right. <laughs> Whatever. So anyway, then I brought that to church. And I was like, well, let's see what happens. We started with eight kids playing dodgeball, just church kids. And we looked at each other and was like, this is exhausting. Eight people running around. This isn't even fun. You need a lot of people for dodgeball to be good. And then I was like, if we're going to do this next week, everyone has to bring a friend. That's the rule or else we're not <laughs> going to do it. And then the next week, everyone brought a friend. And then somehow we unlocked this social group of people and then this is not really an exaggeration 60 70 80 100 kids would come Mm -hmm. to play high school kids and that became my i still kept going to church but that became my ministry Mm -hmm. and it was the dodgeball church basically and so that was a big part of that too so like god gave me dodgeball and i brought it to church and that was a big thing so the guitar stuff or whatever and then i started this praise band the singing company which i'm still involved in and still love and so when i stopped focusing on the 
career, which wasn't really going anywhere. And mm-hmm. was just like, let's pour into your passions and let's follow those. Even if at the end of the day, it's not a bigger paycheck or it's not a paycheck at all. You know, yeah. these are just honoring your passions and, and giving them space to grow. Then, then God unlocked the professional ministry mm-hmm. thing. And we and Kathleen and I really quickly had three job offers in totally random things. Oh wow! That were actually creative and ministerial, like which is something I was looking for in in ministry. <laughs> and then I was discipled by a guy named Josh Polanco and got a job for the Salvation Drum in Chicago, and then fell into youth ministry, which is where I've been ever since, basically. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So would you say that you're from the different passions? I could hear you're passionate about having creative outlets and using them, dodgeball. Mm. And did I miss another one? Uh, Just praise band stuff, I guess. Praise band, yes. So you're in youth ministry, young adult ministry now. Mm -hmm. And I would say that's probably a passion of yours. Mm -hmm. Yeah. True. So with all of your passions, do you have any myths or anything that you've heard maybe about I mean, you have a lot of passion, so if you would just want to pick a couple of any myths that you've heard many times that you thought, oh, this isn't true, but people keep saying this about about this passion. I think the journey on following your passions, I think, is who are you waiting to validate your passion? Mm. How are you measuring it? For me, I would always, I, I keep, I'm very actually predictable in my struggles. Part of my journey is why am I waiting for this person up here, higher up, to see and value the thing that I'm pursuing? Mm -hmm. And it's like, I would say, in specifically like in ministry stuff in the church, if you you spend your time trying to be validated from your leaders or whatever, Mm -hmm. you're going to miss the actual point. If God is inspiring something to reach people, then it's the people who need to measure if that passion matters, if that makes sense. So these kids that came through dodgeball and stuff, if I was waiting for some, even the amazing people in my church to get on board and and pour into that ministry, which that did happen, which is great, but if I was waiting for those things to be seen, then I would have just wasted a ton of time and I wouldn't have actually reached those kids. That's the beautiful thing. These kids are like, this is my church. This is the dodgeball church. They would call me their priest. You know, I would hear them say like, who's that? Oh, that's my priest. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. I'm actually not a you know, ordained <laughs> minister. I'm not Catholic or whatever. But that's when it's like, oh yeah, like this is for them. So we're building, God is using this passion. He's inspiring this thing. And then I'm working with God and the Holy Spirit to build this thing. So mm-hmm. like, I, I guess it's just like, who are you waiting to validate? thing and if it's if you're looking at the wrong thing you're going to just waste a ton of time and you're going to be hurt a lot because you're measuring the thing in the wrong way if that makes sense yeah i think that's really good especially when you were saying that just kind of reminds me of especially now in like the terms of like social media and likes and shares and Mm -hmm. all of that when you do something and you're like okay like i'm i 100 people like this or 300 people like this and then when it reaches that whatever certain number then it's then it's you consider it validated right and a success but not if you did something and you feel like this is a good thing this is what god wants me to do this is the creative outlet i should be pursuing right yeah definitely awesome Okay, so next question. Uh, I want to pivot a little bit to ask a little bit about guidance. You mentioned a little bit earlier some advice about guidance, but I just wondered if you had it for any of your passions, if somebody's here and they're like, you know what, actually, I really am resonating with this. I've like wanted to do this creative thing and I've been like waiting for people to ask me, but now I, I feel like I could be empowered to do something on my own. What would you, or for, for songwriting or for any of those kind of mm-hmm. passions you're talking about, what would you kind of recommend if somebody's like, you know what, I should take the next step? What would you recommend them to do? I would say something like try to figure out where your thing, your thing can be useful. Mm. And here's the, here, sorry, I'm going to get off t- topic, but when it, when I felt like the thing was worship and songwriting and stuff, mm-hmm. the temptation is like, oh, got to be on the stage. Like yeah. I got to get as much time and as much opportunity on the stage. Mm-hmm. And then it, many people struggle with that, mm-hmm. myself included. Where it's like, 
just get me to the extraordinary thing. Yeah. Like, let's skip all these steps along the way. Mm-hmm. And that's just a, the, my recommendation is don't, don't fall for that lie either. Figure out where you can be useful with it. So like, <laughs> I probably shouldn't, this, this thing just happened. So I, I uh, help lead a young adult retreat every winter called Regeneration. And it's one of the highlights of my year and it's awesome to be a part of it and to be a part of a team that pulls this thing off and it's supposed to be creative and different and kind of weird and we had our plan and we the theme was revival and we had a great we had great speakers and worship leader and god was praised and did amazing things mm-hmm. but i got this this on saturday night so it's a weekend thing and ends with like a worship service on sunday this kid comes up to me he's like god told me that i need to end this retreat by praying on the mic on the stage oh wow whatever he's like what do you think and i was like well that's awesome that you want to pray you know i'm trying to affirm like the good good, yes that's all good that's cool god speaking to you that's awesome Mm -hmm. but why why do you want to do it yeah you know and he had that look in his eye that i had when i was his age was like if i can just get on that stage i could just let me at him i could be extraordinary (laughs) You know, I could do amazing things, mm-hmm. which is like, no, actually you haven't, this is talking to me now, you haven't put in any work. Your faith is very small. Your capacity is very small. Your abilities are very small. Mm-hmm. You actually can't do anything extraordinary on your own. Yeah. You know, you're not going to impress anyone with your prayers or your songs or your whatever. And so when I started to think, okay, well, how could I fail smaller? Then we started at my church, we started doing like a beginner's praise band, mm-hmm. you know, and they wanted to be on the stage too on Sunday, just like I did. But then I was like, no, you're only going to lead Sunday school songs, like silly songs, and you're going to lead happy birthday every week or whatever. And it doesn't matter if you fail because you're leading children and they're very forgiving, you yeah. know, whatever. So where is the, the out- and that's where they're most useful. Anyway, all I have to say is like figuring out places, sorry, I'm just looking back now, Another theme is in my life is almost micro expressions, you know, like, Mm -hmm. like what is a small thing that you can do well and what's a small thing that can be useful and then seeing where that goes. And that's an important thing because we should all be idealistic and dream big and stuff. But if we can't act in small ways and if we can't be micro focused, then Mm -hmm. it's like we are just kind of saying we just want to be extraordinary for ourselves. Right. And that's no good either i'm sorry audrey i totally lost the thread well what i heard you saying the most was kind of find somewhere where your creative outlet or your passion could be utilized in doing something with it right sure yes that's but i don't know where you're going with that thread yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if you can also i also want to say this with creative endeavors there are some things god is so micro in our lives too He's it's totally totally macro. He's in control or whatever, but he really loves little bits of faithfulness. Mm-hmm. Like, and he loves things that are just you and him that don't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. That are just for, that are just him and you. For example, in the songwriting thing, there are songs that the world's never going to hear because that's just for me and God. And then there are songs where it's like, I don't know if this is good. You know, and I don't know if this is helpful to anyone. I don't know if this would be something people would even want to claim or sing together. Mm-hmm. But I'll try it in a small group of people and we'll see. Yeah. And some of those have been terrible. Mm-hmm. And some of those have been actually effective. I wrote a song called I Choose Life, which people still sing. And then, like, I wrote it in my bedroom in that period when I was a secretary in the legal department. And I was like, this is never going to go anywhere. And then we had a meeting where it's like, this is the theme. I'm like, oh, I have this song, actually. Let's try this. And we looked at each other, and they were like, where did this come from? You know, and, and it has been effective, which is really cool. So that's a th- Some of these things go places, and some of them don't. Mm-hmm. And it almost doesn't really matter in the sense, like, God can be glorified in the thing that's just not extraordinary if that makes sense that's part of my journey is fighting this tension doing a big thing or doing a small thing mm-hmm. and maybe it goes somewhere maybe it doesn't and being okay with failure or being okay with things that are not effective or being okay with just whatever little thing that you have and maybe god will use it maybe you won't 
and it's almost like it doesn't matter as long as your heart, heart is right and you're willing to let go of a thing. It we, sounds like just being like a good steward of what you have and what you're cultivating. Sure. Yeah. And also what I'd say to the listeners at home, no one really knows the majority of things. I don't know when this will air, but we're in a pandemic right now. Two weeks ago, things looked really different. Mm-hmm. And now the whole world is different and yeah. our routines are different and our behaviors are different. And it and it's a terrible thing. It's a tragic thing. But it's also in kind of an amazing grace that now we can see what matters. Mm-hmm. And 9-11 was one of those moments in my life, too, where you pull back the curtain, you're like, we think these leaders are so good or so smart. We think that America is so strong or so right or yeah. so righteous or so whatever. If we think manifest destiny is so sacred and the American dream is so sacred and then something terrible happens and it's a tragedy, but yet we're learning, wait, what are we here for? What is the point of this? And what things do really matter? And that's a, that's a, can be a really traumatic growth, basically, you Mm -hmm. know, like, and that's, that's good to know. Now I'm thinking just differently. Like my job is less important in, in a sense. I want my job. Like, please don't fire (laughs) me. I really need this job. But my own calling and journey and the whole reason I'm here on earth, I was, I've been reminded of Mm -hmm. that and the things that matter and the things that are real. It's like, all right, this is something we still need to fight for. This is something we still need to build. These are truths we still need to tell people and remind people. But I'm not so worried about this meeting or this thing, Mm -hmm. you know. Oh, here's the thing I want to say to people, leaders and stuff. There's a really awesome leader. His name is John Kim, and he's like like just a great – has he been on? No, he's on my list. Okay, he'd be really good. John's really wise. He he doesn't ramble like I do, but – he was preaching at a young adult conference and he said, so he said this amazing thing. He said, when I die, I can picture the chapel at my funeral. Mm. Oh, wow. And I can picture that it will be full and that people will miss me mm-hmm. and that they will say, John is a good guy. Yeah. But I can't picture who is carrying my casket. Mm. I don't know who those people are. I love people and I know I'm loved but who are those people that are really close to me? Hmm. And it's such a brutal thing to say and to think. And so like, you know, like this is John Kim. Like everyone loves John. Of course, a lot of people carry his cast and he will. Definitely. Yeah. But just like tearing back, like even just a life full of meaning and saying, who's my home team? Who are my, who are the people that I'm closest to? Who are the people that I love the most? And and are loved by the most and who and where are those relationships that that matter the most in in my life and i have those people and sometimes i get i let those things those relationships wander Mm -hmm. and i'm not as intentional as i should be and i i wait for them to make the call right or whatever and that's something that every leader every person you need to foster and nurture those relationships and really love people well and that's something that i that i know i'm checking in with people now and that's good Mm -hmm. and who are the people that you are concerned about and then tell them tell them that you love them and all that kind of stuff sorry this is another ramble i'm like (laughs) in a really fragile state because of this thing honestly corona times are crazy times they're crazy times i've been just worrying and stuff here's another story we're not a prepared family normally for things we just kind of bumble unfortunately I went to bed on last Wednesday and I'm uh-huh. like, we don't have anything. Like, we don't have food and we don't have like non-perishable <laughs> stuff to sustain us if it's going to be crazy. And like, I went to Costco on Thursday morning and then it was just like only fear. Like in yeah. that, that place with people going crazy for toilet like paper. Like fighting each other for the water. For water, yes. And it was like, this is so scary. And it definitely rocked me. And I just took the rest of the day off work. I'm like, I think I had a panic attack or something or an anxiety spike or something. Mm -hmm. I'm like, this is weird. I feel so weird. And then now it's just like, oh, what's the, now what should we do? Hoard? Should we be like the pendulum the other way? 
I don't know. It's so crazy. Please help me, listeners. <laughs> what, what do we do do now? It's so crazy. Thank you so much for joining us each week to listen to some of our awesome guests as they come and they chat about their story and their passions and how their passions have evolved and grown throughout their story. I am so humbled and honored that you would choose to download and listen to these conversations every other week through inviting me into your earbuds, your car, your Google home, or wherever you listen to the podcast. Thank you so much, friend. I am so grateful for you. Can you guys do me a huge, huge favor? If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, would you do that in whichever podcast player or app that you're using to listen to us today? If you're subscribed already, thank you so, so much, friend. I truly appreciate it. It makes a huge difference. And I would love it if you would share this show with a friend. I find out about so many shows through recommendations through friends. Maybe some of you listening today have found this show through a friend sharing the show with you. Lastly, would you please leave a rating or review on whichever player or app that you're listening to on? Thank you. I know that these things may seem small, subscribing, sharing, and leaving a rating and review, but they make a huge difference in new listeners finding the No Wrong Turns pod. Thank you so, so much. Thank you for being here and for listening and for cheering on the No Wrong Turns pod. Thank you for subscribing, sharing, and reviewing the show. I'm going to shift a little bit to our last question. And this is a question that I ask all of the podcast guests. And this also could be a little bit uh, uh, different during these Corona times kind of an answer. But it's what's fueling you? What's fueling your passion today? So this could be anything from a new coffee drink to a new delicacy you discovered at Costco. A new delicacy. A new, a new way you learned how to store some toilet paper, hand sure. sanitizer, or a new TV show. So what's feeling your passion today? What's feeling you? Yeah, so I have to do something with my hands. That's like I'm an Enneagram 3. So is I that ha- the helper? No, oh. it, it's the achiever. A good day for me is crossing some stuff off a list, and not just mm-hmm. emails or something, but like a tangible thing. And that's when also when God speaks to me the most, too, is when I'm doing something with my hands. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be something extraordinary or anything. So if I can do something with my hands, like stuff around the house, this is so stupid, but we have this puppy and we have a fenced yard, but he got out immediately. Oh my gosh. And this really cranky lady saved him and called me and she's like, I've got your dog, you know, whatever. <laughs> so like I put a little gate around the perimeter of the house and this is so stupid. He's definitely trapped in here now, which is good. I'm really, he's definitely going to be our prisoner. <laughs> but just doing that as like some level of pride and i did something real so like mm-hmm. for me what always feels me is something tangible something and somewhere around the house is nice but a project i have to have a project to keep going so that's one i love over the last four or five years i've been not for me personally to to do but i've been really into stand-up comedy and i love mm. watching comedians yeah and specials or whatever i love no, my guy's norm mcdonald and he's definitely gonna get canceled so mm-hmm. i know this is gonna be a mark against me but he is definitely asking for it he should be canceled probably by the the culture because he's gonna say some stupid things but i think he's really clever and and smart and whatever i love i love dave Chappelle. i think he's so funny uh, and clever and what i love about the way that they both these guys do comedies they touch things about humanity that are so real and then they're they cause you to think about it as well hmm. and it's really funny what they're doing they're expert expert comedians so if i can watch a stand-up thing those things fuel me i love the dramas and stuff on tv i'm big into shows and stuff but a better call saul is back i love that show i'm, <laughs> I'm old old men like that show and um, yes my dad likes that show as well right i'm big on the dad level of shows <laughs> I also love, it's not coming back till 2021, but I love the show Atlanta. I've just been watching that again. Just in these Corona times, I got through the t- two seasons, you know, there's only, there's not that many episodes, but it's so brilliantly done. Their storytelling, storytelling is incredible. And like from episode to episode, you would never say, if you were to like explain it to 
If you were to explain the show to an alien, you would never he'd, you would never be able to say this is the same show. Two episodes are mm-hmm. never they're never similar in what they're saying even. Yeah. And what the, what they're actually exploring I think is really brave. So anyway, those things are fueling me. This dog is fueling me. I like <laughs> I'm so frustrated. I'm happier having this dog and I'm also angrier, mm. which is a weird mix because i get real angry at this thing but i do love it because it's laying in bed last night i'm like i can't believe we have a dog that's so crazy i love this stupid thing it's feeling me my family corona times are crazy but it's awesome and hard but like it's awesome like having all this time with my family mm-hmm. and being there for one another so all that's good awesome my band is doing good too oh, your band the yes. singing company we're i don't know we're trying to do a thing trying to stream some worship stuff coming up hopefully it'll encourage some people yeah so i'm excited about that that's always a spark each week getting to that practice we practice every monday mm-hmm. we're out once a month but that's always awesome and it's just a great group of young people that are it's definitely a family to be around these guys and a privilege to like travel and play and encourage people through worship it's it's really good I, when i started all this stuff i would have never thought we would have gotten here yeah, because it's been around for Forever. since I was in high school. F- 15 years, which is like 50 years and yeah. band years. It makes me feel very old, actually, personally. <laughs> yeah. I've got the first CD. There you go. <laughs> yeah, and I'm definitely old. That's another weird thing. Is There's a shelf life for that, I guess. I don't know. But there kind of is. I guess so. Maybe you'll have to just dye your hair, you know? <laughs> yeah. But it's like no one's telling Michael W. Smith to stop. I mean, I'm not, he's not like my model or anything. <laughs> I mean, God bless him. He's written some good songs, I guess. But I don't know. It's just funny. People kind of have culturally, like in our culture, you could be in a brass band till you're 90 years old. And that's actually awesome. Mm-hmm. You could sing in a choir till you're 90 years old. You could still do it physically. Yeah. But like, praise bands, I feel like in our culture, we kind of think, no, you can't do this forever. That's a, a kid's, that's a young man's game. Yeah. Once, once you hit probably like 39, 39 I don't know, 41. Year. Should be a, a retiring, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what you go on to next, but time will know. tell. Time will tell. Definitely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Eric, for your time and just sharing your story and your passions with us today. Thank you. Yeah. Friends, I have loved our conversation with Eric. It was so awesome to hear Eric's story. It's so great. I love that in this episode, Eric spent a lot of time unpacking the why or the motives behind passions, especially when Eric talked about how he was in a job that he was not really enjoying or feeling really fulfilled in and how he found the importance of pouring into his passions and following those, even if at the end of the day, there wasn't necessarily a paycheck, how it was important to honor um, his passions and give them space to grow. I loved how Eric talked about tendencies for recognition and wanting, you know, a stage look at me moment, how he highlighted this great idea of figuring out where you can be helpful with your passion. For Eric, he chatted about leading a beginner praise band and using his passion to lead with singing and playing guitar for happy birthday song each week during his Sunday school opening. There were several quotes that Eric spoke that have really resonated with me. Right now, the one that I'm mulling over is when he said, When we get to heaven, I want God to know what I did with the tempers that he gave me. I hope that I honor that. This idea that God has given us so many gifts and passions in different measures, and what can I do to honor what God has given me? So my question for you today, friend, is what can you do with the gifts and passions that God has given you. I hope that we are all encouraged today through Eric's story and his passions. My prayer is that you consider what God has for you and what he might be leading you to. Our episode was edited by Sophia Bote, social media managed by Olivia Bote, and you can see our show notes for the music credits. All right, guys, enjoy your week. If you enjoyed this episode, please, please share it with a friend. And I will see you next time back over here for our conversation with Kayla Yim. She is a self-described lover of Jesus and others and a passionate communicator of God's word. Hey, friends.
friends, you have just listened to the No Wrong Turns pod with Audrey Hickman Hunter. I am Audrey and I am your host. And I am so happy that you are here. If you like what you were listening to today, make sure that you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We are bringing you new shows every other Tuesday and have awesome guests on the podcast that come and chat about their story and their passions and how their passions have grown throughout their story. Subscribe today to the No Wrong Turns pod with Audrey Hickman Hunter on your podcast player or app so that you guys will never miss an episode. See you next time.